the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning him. He cries out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. From the fullness of his grace we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. Now we read the text. The text is read for you, as a matter of fact. John 1, verse 14 through 18. And uh, there are three things in this text that I, I want to call your attention to. The first is that the text tells us that Jesus is full of grace and truth. We know, of course, that he's full of truth. We know that he is truth. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. This is in John chapter 14. But this text says that he is full of grace. Now that's one thing that I, I want, one point that I want to kind of hold in, in your mind as we go through the uh, study together. Full of grace. And the second is that he said, uh, of his fullness have we all received. So he's full of grace, and of his fullness we have all received. And the third point I want to emphasize is that he uses the term grace for grace. So the text actually says, of his fullness have we all received, and grace for grace. So these three points. Now we can understand clearly what the writer is talking about. This is John the Apostle, and he's writing a, a, a story, he's... he's setting forth the narrative of Jesus from a certain point of view. Matthew and Mark and Luke had their points of view that they set forth the life of Jesus. Now John is going to set forth his, and in his introduction to it, he uses this term grace three times out of the four times that it's used in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's only used one other time, and that's, that's, in, book, that's in the book of Luke in chapter 2. Where Jesus said that he was, he was gaining grace, grace and favor with God and man. So of the four times that the word grace is used in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, John uses three of them. In order to understand what he's talking about when we use the term grace, and, and we probably should get a definition of it, but most people understand it, it means favor. What we're probably not understanding, however, until we go back to the Old Testament and look at God's picture book and to see how it was used, what we're probably not understanding is the impact of that term. The term grace actually carries with it the idea of favor, finding favor or finding acceptance or approval. So grace is not something that you have on you. Grace is something that you produce in someone else. In other words, God favored his son, Jesus. That is, Jesus is full of grace in the sense that Jesus was pleasing to his Father. Now, we understand, we can understand this better, as I said, if we go back to the Old Testament. Now, Jesus said in John, in Matthew chapter, uh, I'm sorry, 
in John chapter chapter 5, verse 39, he said, Search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. So he's saying the Old Testament Scriptures, that's the only Scriptures they had, the Old Testament Scriptures testify of me. So we go back to the Old Testament and say, okay, let's see if we can get some understanding of what what God is talking about when he's talking about grace. In Romans 15, verse 4, Paul said, Whatsoever things were written aforetime, talking about the Old Testament, were written for our learning that we, through patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. And then he said in, in uh, the book of Galatians, chapter 3, verse 24, he said, The law is our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. So he's saying, first of all, he's saying the Scriptures will, will testify of me. Then he said, uh, then he said the Scriptures are given for our understanding so that we can have hope. And then he said the scriptures are given because it is a schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ. In other words, we're trying to find out what grace is talking about, what he's talking about in this text. When he talks about Jesus being full of grace and truth, we're trying to understand what what he's referring to. Again, let's, let's just define that word real quickly. The word grace means approval. So if you do something that I approve of, that means that I have grace toward you. Approval. You're, you're, you're getting my approval. Or appreciation. Or acceptance. Or favor. Or indulgence. Or maybe I just like you because of who you are. That's grace. The expression most commonly used in the Old Testament in order to, to identify what we're talking about is that Individuals found grace in the eyes of the Lord. They were finding favor in the eyes of the Lord. For instance, in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5 through 8, God looked down upon the world, this is before the flood, and he didn't find anyone that pleased him. It says that the thoughts of men's hearts were evil continually. God was upset that he had made humanity. And yet at verse five, verse 8, it says, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah found, God saw something in Noah that he liked. That's what he said. Now we all know that uh, Noah was a man of faith. And so we read in the Hebrew, book of Hebrews in chapter 11 that he was a man of faith. And we and read that in other texts in, in Peter. But the point is, that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And that's the, that's the expression. And that's the predominant expression you find in the Old Testament. Grace in the eyes of. So grace is the approval, finding approval in someone's eyes. Now when Moses was uh, leading the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt, in Exodus chapter 33 at verse 13, I'll read that text in just a minute, but when he was leading the children of Israel out of Egypt, he was, he was wanting something from God. He was wanting a favor from God. He was wanting God to hear what he had to say and to listen to his prayers. And he actually was wanting to find favor in the eyes of the Lord or grace in the eyes of the Lord. And that's what he says. In verse uh, 13 of Exodus 33, he says, Now therefore I pray you, if I have found grace in your sight, Show me now your way that I may know you, that I may find grace in your sight, and consider that this nation is your people. Moses was having a hard time taking care of Israel because they weren't responding like they should have been responding. 
And Moses was petitioning God on their behalf. And he said, if, if I found grace in your sight, in other words, if you like me, Lord, if you approve of me, Lord, will, will you answer this prayer for me? Now, it wasn't just grace in the eyes of the Lord that's found in the Old Testament. Sometimes it has to do with grace in the eyes of somebody else. So, for instance, in Ruth, if you remember the story of Ruth and Naomi, uh, Ruth was the daughter-in-law of Naomi. Naomi had two sons and lost both of them. And Ruth was a Moabitess, and she came with Naomi back to where Naomi lived, to her homeland, to her, to her, her, her own country. And when she got there, Ruth was the younger one, of course. She was the daughter-in-law. She went to work in the fields to help provide for the family, for her and, and Naomi. And there was a man in the field that owned the field that Ruth liked. She liked him. But she didn't know whether he liked her. And so in Ruth chapter 2, at verse, I mean, yeah, in Ruth chapter 2, at verse 2, it says, Ruth the Moabitess said unto Naomi, let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him. He's talking, she's talking about boys. After him in whose sight I shall find grace. She wanted to find something in the eyes of boys that told her that he liked her. Now, this is the formula in the Old Testament. We can assume then that the same concept of finding grace carries with us in understanding of the gospel of Christ, grace is how God looks at an individual. So when he looks down from heaven and looks at an individual, do they find grace in his eyes? Do they find approval, acceptance, indulgence in the eyes of the Lord? Does he like them? There's the point. Jesus is said to be full of grace, which means... That when the father looked at his son, he was full of approval for his son. He liked what he saw in his son. So Jesus found grace in his eyes. Matter of fact, the Bible says, that we, the text says that we're reading, he was full of grace. Full of grace. God overwhelmingly approved of Jesus. He looked at him and said, this is my beloved son. He, he was accepted by his father. He was approved by his father. His father loved him. More than that, his father accepted him for who he was. In Isaiah chapter 42 at verse 1, it says, Behold my servant whom I uphold, my elect in whom my soul delights. He's talking about Jesus. When the father looked at Jesus... He was, a, he was given a delightful feeling about his son. He was delighted by what Jesus did. When Peter was preaching, you know, the word grace, as I said a while ago, the word grace only appears four times before the book of Acts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now then, in the book of Acts, Peter was preaching the first gospel sermon after the resurrection of Jesus. And in verse 22, he looked out over his audience and he said, You men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God. Jesus was approved of God. Among you, by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did by him. Why did the Father let Jesus do so many miracles? Because the Father approved of his Son. He knew that his Son would do it right. 
and would handle it right. Now we know that there are reasons why God approved of Jesus. The first general reason, and it can apply to all of us, God approves of, of all of us, but He approved of Jesus more than anything else, anyone else, because He loved Him. John chapter 3, verse 35 says, The Father loves the Son, has given all things into His hand. Jesus was never in any doubt of this. He knew that His Father loved Him. He knew that His Father liked Him. He knew that His Father approved of Him. Now we can say that generally about people that we like. We can say, well, we like them, but we don't always approve of everything they do, do we? Friends, relatives, children, parents, grandparents, neighbors, we can like them, but that doesn't mean that we approve of everything they do or even that we approve of them. But this text says that God loved His Son and Jesus always understood that. He understood that His Father loved Him. Now another reason why He is full of grace without, without any doubt completely was because everything His Father told Him to do, He did it. Everything His Father told Him to do, He did it. Now what father would not approve of a son that did everything He told Him to do? Everything He told Him to do. Jesus didn't leave anything out. He didn't miss a step. He did every, absolutely everything that the Father sent Him to do. Jesus said, I did it. John 8, verse 28 and 29 said, Jesus said unto them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall you know that I am He. I do nothing of Myself. But as My Father has taught Me, I speak these things. He that has sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone. I do always those things that please Him. Jesus was full of grace. God approved of Him. And who wouldn't? He always did what His Father told Him to do. In addition to that, another reason why Jesus was full of grace, why the Father looked upon Him with grace, why Jesus found grace in the eyes of His Father, was because He accepted and followed His Father's judgment. Everything His Father had decided, Jesus accepted. In John 5, verse 30, I can of my own self do nothing, He said. As I hear, I, I judge. And my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father which has sent me. Now what son or daughter growing up in a family does not at one time or another say, you know, I don't, I don't like your decision. I don't like what you want me to do. We all reach that point somewhere. We disagree with someone. But you know Jesus never disagreed with His Father. Now, if you have a business, let's, let's just put you in a situation where you, you own a business. And you have something, some project in mind that you want to undertake and take care of. And, and you've, you've got the long experience it takes in order to accomplish that task. And you've got, your, you've got your business plan all set forth. Here's what you want to do. And so then you assign that business plan to someone. You say, okay, I want you to carry this out. And so that person takes the business plan and decides to do it. And then they look it over and say, well, I don't think I like the way it's going here or the way it's going there. I'm going to change this or I'm going to change that. You know, Jesus never did that. 
God had a business for him to take care of. He said, I want you to go down here and I want you to save these people. I want you to save humanity. Jesus could have come down and said, well, I think I'll change this. I'll tweak this a little bit here. I'll tweak it a little. Jesus didn't do that. He didn't do that. He had the complete confidence of his father because he did exactly what his father's judgment dictated. He did it. John 8 at verse 16, he says, If I judge, my judgment is true, for I'm not alone, but I and the Father that sent me. So in terms of judgment, he always came down on the same side that his Father was on, his judgment. Even, remember, when he went to the Garden of Gethsemane, and that night he thought, maybe I shouldn't, maybe I shouldn't go to the cross, maybe we ought to change this. But he said, you know what he told his father? He said, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. So he always did what his father told him to do. Plus, he never doubted or changed his father's judgment. It was his father's judgment to do that, not his. And he always did what his father would do if he were here doing it himself. Wouldn't that be nice? You've got a business. And you're trying to take care of your business and trying to make sure that your business operates. And you turn your business over to someone that, that you say, okay, I'm going to give you the authority to do this. It would always be nice if you knew that they would, and when they do something, they'd do exactly like you would. You've heard the expression before. If you want something done right, do it yourself. Why do you say that? Why do we say that? Because people don't always do what we think they ought to do. We don't always approve of what they're doing because they use their own judgment and they decide that they'll change things or they'll do it a little less than what we want to be done. And yet when Jesus came to this earth, he did exactly what his father would have done had his father been doing it. That's what he said. John five nineteen. he said, Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself. But what he sees the Father do, for what things soever he does, these also does the Son likewise. He did everything his Father would do. John 9 at verse 4, he says, I must work the works of him that sent me. While it is day, the night comes and no man can work. I'll work the works of him that sent me. I'll do what he would do if he were here. John 17, 4, he says, I have glorified you on earth. I have finished the work which you gave me to do. Wow, that's... No wonder the Father loved him. No wonder the Father looked upon him with approval. No wonder it can be said that Jesus was full of grace. In the eyes of his Father, Jesus found grace. You say, okay. Then in order for me to find grace, he's my example. In order for me to find grace, then I need to do what Jesus did. That seems to follow, doesn't it? If I'll just live like he lived, I can find grace too. 1 Peter 2.22, as a matter of fact, says, Even hereunto were you called, because Jesus also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Okay. That seems practical, doesn't it? If we'll just do what Jesus would do, then we know that the God of heaven looks down upon us and says, Oh, I like you. I like what I see in you. Well, we know, first of all, if we go back and track back why Jesus was full of grace, we know, first of all, we know God loves us. We know that. 
we know that, uh, that, that love is, God is love. We know that too. John 3, 16, 1 John 4, verse 8. There's no doubt upon us. There's no doubt that He looks down upon us with affection. He really cares and wants us to be saved. He wants us to be right and wants us to, to do right. So our concern is that He should look on us with acceptance. The fact that He loves us doesn't mean that He accepts our behavior. You can love your child, but you don't have to accept their behavior. You don't. We don't sometimes when their behavior is wrong. Now sometimes, and that's a shame, sometimes kids so conduct themselves that they shouldn't be accepted. Their conduct shouldn't be accepted. Their, their behavior should not be accepted and approved and condoned. Not at all. So, in the same context, you know, you can have a mother who's grieving over a son who's imprisoned for some heinous crime and she still approves of him and just thinks he's the most wonderful thing on earth. But that's wrong. That's distorted. You know, when a person does something wrong, you, they shouldn't be approved. They shouldn't be condoned. That, that's not right. We know that. We understand that. And that's the same with God. When we do things that cause disapproval, then we can't, we can't accept God to look upon us with grace in His eyes. Simply because He loves us doesn't mean that He approves of us. Okay. Let's, let's just think about this. How can I find grace in the eyes of the Lord? Well, we said, let's do what Jesus did. Okay. I'll do what Jesus did, but uh, you know what? Romans 3.23 says that I can't make it. You know, Jesus never sinned. He never committed a sin. But I sin. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. God does not and cannot look down upon me with approval when I'm in sin. And Isaiah 64 verse 6 says, we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we do all fade as a leaf, and, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. So, you know, Jesus never missed a step. He never sank into sin. Never, never sinned. But I do. So that if I'm looking for grace in the sight of the Lord, how can I find grace if I'm a sinner? That's a problem, isn't it? It's a real difficulty. How can I find that grace? So I can't find grace by doing like Jesus did because He did not sin, and yet I sin. Okay, strike one. I can't do it. Secondly, I can find approval in His eyes if I have always accepted and always followed His judgment and His advice and have never strayed off course. God can look down and say, okay, Bill, I can see why I can have confidence in you. I can accept you because you've never made a misstep. You've always, you've always had the right judgment. You've always done the right thing. You can be accepted in my sight. You can find grace in my sight. And yet the Bible says in Isaiah 53 verse 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So here we have the situation where 
if I never stray, then I can find grace in God's sight if I never stray. But I have strayed, and I will continue to stray. I will make mistakes. How then do I find grace in His eyes? Well, what if, what if I do what Jesus would do if He were here, or what the Father would do if He were here? That's what Jesus did. He did everything the Father would do if the Father was here. So, what I have to do is say, okay, if the Father is here, I'll do everything He would do. And yet, Romans chapter 10 at verse 3 says, They being ignorant of God's righteousness, going about establishing their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes. In short, basically, what we're saying is we, we cannot... We cannot live up to acceptance in the sight of God simply by trying to follow what Jesus told us to do. It won't work. We can't make it. So how can we make it? Well, that's why this text says, the next text that we have, if I can get it on the thing here. <laughs> Hell, I don't know. I'm pointing at it, but it's not doing anything for me. Let's see. I think John is going to turn that for me. The, the problem we're having, basically, is that I cannot find grace in the sight of God by myself. I can't do it. That's my difficulty. So the text says that we, that of His fullness we have received. So what I'm going to gain is the righteousness of Jesus in lieu of my own righteousness. Jesus found grace in the eyes of the Lord, and that's easily understood. And the way I find righteousness in the eyes of the Lord is through my relationship with Him. Grace for grace. Now that word grace for grace simply means His grace transferred to me. Why does God like me? Not because I am good within myself, but because Jesus Christ has taken me and he's put his arm around me and he said, he's with me. So he looks at the Father and says, okay, he is mine. So he is my friend. He is my follower. You need to like him like you like me. Now that's, that's the problem. How do we get that approval? We get that approval by our relationship to Jesus Christ because His favor to His Son is going to be transferred over to us. We're going to be favored because He's favored. See if I can explain this. This, this is kind of difficult because we, we sometimes think of grace in terms of a commodity that we can have, that God just overwhelms us with grace. It's not a commodity. Grace is the feeling God has toward me and toward you. That's what grace is. It's not something that overwhelms me. It's the feeling He has toward us. When, when our kids were little, if I can illustrate this, when our children were small, and they decided they wanted to go somewhere, and go somewhere out from under our control and purview, they wanted to go somewhere with their friends. 
You know what we usually ask? Who are you going with? Who are you going to be with? And if there was somebody there that was responsible, somebody there that was dependable, somebody there I could have confidence in, okay, you can go with them as long as this person's with you. Now, here we have it. We're, we're looking at the grace of God and we're saying Jesus is full of grace, which means God has complete confidence in his son. And so what we're saying is, Lord, we're with him. He's with us. And Jesus is saying, they're with me. So now then, I can find grace in the eyes of the Lord because I am with him. Not because I'm doing any better, but because he's with me and he's going to help me. All right, that first issue was that Jesus never did any sin. He never sinned. Now then, I sin. But I've made friends with, Jesus has become my friend, and he's my partner. He's the one who's with me. And he's saying, okay, I will help you get over these problems. I will go with you. We'll travel together. And when we travel together, when God looks down at you, he'll see me with you. And if I'm with you, you're okay. Grace for grace. His grace in the eyes of the Father for my grace in the eyes of the Father because I'm with Him, not because I'm anything. I'm nothing. I'm a human being and I'm full of sin. And I, I stray. And I question God's judgment. But His Son does not. And His Son has taken me and said, Come along, Bill. Come with me. We'll find some grace for you. My Father will like you because you're my friend. That's what it's going to be. He will approve of you because you're with me. But if I'm not with you, Lord, I'm not approved. There's not going to be approval. The apostles generally began and ended their gospel letters. And there are letters that are written to the churches. Not the book of Acts, but the letters like Corinthians and Galatians, Ephesians, John, Revelation, and so forth. The letters usually began with the plea that they, that they would receive the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. They wanted the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ to be with everyone who read those letters. What he's saying is, stick with Jesus. Stay with Jesus. Stay close. He's the one that will bring approval of God to you. At one time, in Galatians chapter 1, verse 6 through 9, Paul said, I marvel that you are so soon removed from the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another. But there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. He said, you can get out of this grace if you get away from Jesus, and you get away from Jesus because you get away from what Jesus is telling you to do. So as long as I'm following what Jesus said, as long as I'm with Him, then He's going to be with me. Now, in Romans 16, 20, 1 Corinthians 16, 23, Galatians 6, 18, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. In almost every letter that's written by Paul, he closes it with that. The grace of the Lord be with you. What, what's he saying? He's saying stick with Jesus because he is in God's favor. And when you get away from Jesus, you fall away from God's favor. You're not in his favor. He can't approve of you. Because you're directly involved with His Son, Jesus' Son, God likes you. 
Not just loves you. Of course, He loves you because He sent His Son to you. But now then, He approves of you. What does He approve of? He approves of you because He approves of His Son, and you are with His Son. Now, it, like I said before, it's not just a matter of trying to live like He lived, but it's a matter of letting Him live with you and guide and direct you in what you're doing. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 4 says, I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ. Where did I get grace? Not because I kept the law, not because I did good things. I got grace. I, I came into possession of grace, God's favor and His approval because I came into relationship with Jesus Christ. He approves Him. And as long as I'm with Him, we're okay. When I'm not with Him, I'm not okay. Ephesians chapter 1 at verse 6, it says, He has made us accepted in the Beloved. We are accepted of God because we are in the Beloved. Now this, this is, is not hard for us to figure out, grace for grace, because the grace of Jesus Christ is being transmitted to us because of Jesus. But also... Faith is the key to this. If, if I believe that Jesus is the Christ, and if I'm willing to say, okay, Lord, I will follow you. I will do what you want me to do. I want you to be with me because your Father approves of you, and He approves of you, therefore He approves of me. In John 16, verse 27, it says He loves us because we love Him. That Jesus is talking to His apostles. He's saying, the Father loves you because I've loved you. Okay, why does the Father love me? Because Jesus loves me. Because I'm with Him. That's why He loves me. Romans 5 verse 1 and 2, it says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have access by faith into this grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. My faith in Jesus Christ puts me into a relationship with Him. And when I come into that relationship with Him, I enter into God's favor. I can't do it by myself. I can't keep the law. I can't keep the commandments. One, two, three, four, five. I can't keep all those commandments and expect God to look down from heaven and say, Hey, Bill... Man, you've kept all these commandments. You're good. You are so good. It doesn't work. I can't. All is sinned. I can't keep them all. So what happens? God says, I don't approve of your conduct. Wow. What does He approve of? He approves of His Son. And His Son said, He's with me. And I'll help Him. He's trying. Father, He's struggling. But I'm going to help Him. I'm going to help him get over these things. I'm going to help him when, he, when he stumbles. I'll pick him up. We'll, we'll keep on walking. I'll help her. I won't turn loose. They won't turn loose of me. We're together in this. That's the point. Grace for grace. By grace are you saved through faith. Now I want to read a text because we need to, we need to understand basically how this happens. How do I come into contact with Jesus Christ? Well, obviously... 
Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. I hear the Word of God. So the first step I take, I want God to approve of me. I want Him to look at me and say, I, I like what I see. I like what I see. And in order for me to get to that point, I have to get in relationship with Jesus who can help me and stand with me so that His grace can flow over onto me and we can then be approved before God. He's approved. I'm His friend. If I'm His friend, I'm approved. If I'm not His friend, if I'm not in Him, I'm not approved. But I want to be approved so that I have grace for grace. Faith is the key. I have to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. I have to believe that. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. I have to be baptized. I have to confess the name of Christ. Why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't I say, I believe that Jesus is the Christ? If the Father approves of me, it's because I say, I believe that Jesus is the Christ. My faith tells me that. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God, and then we confess that He is the, the Son of God. And then we're baptized in the cross. Now this is the text that I want to read that shows us exactly how this process begins. And it, it, begins, it begins a lifetime of service to Him. And, and it starts by faith, then it ends by faith, as a matter of fact. In Romans chapter 6, and I'm going to start reading, basically I'll, I'll start reading at chapter 5 at verse 18. It's talking about Jesus. It says, For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one many shall be made righteous. So we're going to be made righteous. How? Through Jesus Christ. How does that work? Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin has reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. So grace is coming by Jesus. Jesus is approved of God. God consents to Him. God understands Him and says, he, He's my Son. Everything He does is right. So it's coming by Him. What shall we say then, he says? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Do I take advantage of that? Do I say, okay, Jesus loves me. I'm with him. I can do anything I want to. No. God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. So we begin our life all over again. And we begin our life all over again with Jesus Christ in us and with us. Paul said we are in Christ. That's where we are. We're baptized into Christ and we, we uh, become part of Him. And we're all in, in uh, Jesus in, through our baptism to start with. And He looks upon us with favor because He looks upon His Son with favor, and we're attached to him, or he's attached to us. Jesus said, when he was on the cross, and and uh, he was dying, he looked up into heaven. And he said, "Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do." Why did the Father forgive you? Because Jesus asked him to. Why should he listen to Jesus? Because Jesus was full of grace because his father approved of him. Everything about his father was approved, was approved. So when I come into Jesus Christ, Jesus looks at his father through my faith in Jesus.
coming into that grace. He looks at his father and he says, Father, forgive him. Forgive him. And the father does it because he approves of his son. And so that grace of his son comes over onto me. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have access by faith into this grace, wherein we stand rejoiced hope of the glory of God. That's wonderful. Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. So we're walking in Jesus Christ. We've come into Jesus Christ. We're connected with Him. We're one with Him. And so as God looks down upon us, He looks down upon us with favor. Not because we are special ourselves, but because His Son is special and is in us. Now, He becomes our advocate. Now this is what what I want to mention to you. We need to take advantage of the grace of Jesus Christ. We need to make sure, we we should make sure that we are with Him in everything that we do. Whatever choice we make, whatever judgment we have, we should make sure that it's the same as our Savior Jesus. He's with us. Whatever decision we make, we should make that decision because Jesus is with us. When we step away from Jesus and say, okay, I'm going to go do this, and I really don't think Jesus would want to do this with me. We're outside the grace of God. God doesn't like us doing that. Wouldn't like us doing it. Certainly not. I make a mistake and Jesus is okay. That's all right. I understand you're weak. We'll get you back together. We'll get you back on track again. And so the Bible says he is our advocate. We have an advocate with the Father, First John chapter 2 and at verse 1. And when we want to ask anything of the Father, we ask Him because His Son is favored. Jesus, as a matter of fact, Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 14, He said, You can pray in My name and the Father will give it to you. So when we're praying, you know why we use the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? In His name we pray because we're reminding the Father that we're with Him. We're with Jesus. He's with us. We're, we're asking because we're together in this. In Jesus Christ by our faith in Him. We all are in Jesus Christ. Once we're baptized into Him and once we're walking with Him, we're in Him. And it says the Father will love us because He loved Him first. Well, faith is the key, grace for grace, and of His fullness have we all received. So the the advice we have, basically, and the great thing about it is, if we stay close to Jesus, we stay close to God's favor. He likes us when we stay close to His Son. And if we stay close to His Son, we can overcome the problems we have in our life because He is our strength. He is our power. He is the power of God. When we stay close to Jesus, our life just gets better. And He approves us, and He approves us, to God. Stay in the grace of God. That's what the apostles are saying. May, may you stay in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. May the grace of God be with you. What he's talking about is let Jesus be with you. Every day, every moment, every, every second of your life, stay close to Jesus.